Hello, this is the voice of Marasha. We are very happy that the cold war of Max Mosley's engine freeze is finally over. Now we can flex our muscles. There is great difficulty and unrest for our close neighbors, Caterham. And so we have decided to move our people into their garage and run it as part of Mother Marussia. Hey, what works for Putin in Ukraine works for us too. Waka, waka, waka. I'm not joking. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, the very first on speed of the new F1 season, which I've just watched with my buddy Zog. How you doing, fella? Not bad, thanks. Good show? Good race. Yeah, I suppose it is a show though as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. a show. It's I did mean of course, race. Of course it's a show. Bernie was certainly it's a show. It was a good show, it was a good race. Very happy with that result. Now, Richard isn't with us today because he's on... Maternity leave. Emergency maternity leave. <laughs> yeah, that much is certain. That's very true. We'll say no more. I'm sure you will have heard about this via Richard's Twitter stream. Twitter, yeah. yeah. I think but it suffice to say, congratulations to the new Sniff family. That's really fantastic news. News which is fantastic, but not quite as amazing, is that Formula One is back and wasn't qualifying good. Qualifying was terrific. I was so happy that Lewis was on pole and Ricardo second was terrific. The fact you've got a guy at his home race in a new team gets the car on the front row of the grid we like Ricardo he's a happy bunny in sweet lad there was a great moment during qualifying where Ricardo came through just um, this was right at the end of yeah, the, of the, the session, session. Yeah. and because the engines are so much quieter these days you could hear this huge cheer from the partisan mm, Australian mm. audience and then when Lewis chumped in with a faster time there was this enormous not a oh. boo but oh yeah. <laughs> it was like watching football wasn't it? You get that instant reaction. There was a bit more of that. Yeah, you had a bit, bit more of a sense. Which of is no bad reaction, thing. Which is good. Yeah. And on the sound of the cars, I thought it was interesting that individually, I think the cars do sound good. I like the turbo sound. It's a different kind of engine note, but car by car, they sound good. As a field, that a whole bunch of cars together doesn't sound so good as they used to, I think. Not did, as did, dramatic. Did, did you think, yeah, yeah I think you're right. You didn't yeah. have that sort of sense of this screaming pack of banshees. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is a pack of banshees. They weren't as exciting or mass, I thought. Yeah, but there's a raspiness to it, which I quite like. The cars, you know, they used to go, yay! Now they go, there's a nastiness to it a dirty filthy edginess which is quite good actually that's all right anyway if you didn't see the race assuming you did or if you did see it and you've already forgotten what happened here's a reminder of how they finished by 2014 melbourne grand prix runners and finishers 15th jules bianchi in the marusha ferrari 14th, Max Chilton in the other Marussia. 13th, Esteban Gutierrez in the Sauber. Adrian Sutil finished 12th in the Sauber. 11th, Sergio Perez, Force India. The Toro Rosso of Daniel Kvyat finished 10th. 9th, Jean-Marie Vern, Toro Rosso. 8th, Kimi Raikkonen, Ferrari. 7th, Nico Hockenberg, Force India. 6th, Valtteri Bottas in the Williams Mercedes. 
fifth, Fernando Alonso, Ferrari. Jensen Button finished fourth. Third, Kevin Magnussen, McLaren. Second, Daniel Ricciardo in the Red Bull Renault. And first, Nico Rosberg in the Mercedes. Before we start talking about how well Nico did to win that race, just list the retirements which were Massa, Kobayashi, Hamilton, Vettel, Ericsson, Maldonado and Groschon. Fifteen drivers finished. Which is pretty good. It's far greater than the figure I had in the back of my mind. I remember an Australian Grand Prix many years ago where only 11 people Finished, And I figured, mm. yeah, we could probably get close to that again. In terms of pre-race predictions, also, I was thinking before the race that it would be lucky for Renault if half the Renault-powered cars finished. And sure enough, of the eight Renault engine cars, five retired, three finished. Three finished. And so, three that finished were Ricciardo, Jean-Éric Verne and Daniel Kvyat. Actually, Toro Rosso looked really surprisingly good. Actually, they did. Yeah, yeah. We've come into this weekend with all the Renault teams really on the back foot. But no, they look great. You've got to say that Red Bull, though, also you know, really stepped up. You would expect Red Bull to be able to make those bigger steps. It couldn't have got much worse for them from testing. It was shocking, their status in testing. But they did manage well, to get the car running. And this was Toro Rosso <laughs> or Red Bull? Red Bull. I think this is the first time they actually have run a complete race distance in that car. Ricardo finishing the race is the first time they've got that car through at full race distance. So what a result. But they could turn it around to that extent. Now, we should say at this point that we just read, I mean, we're recording this. Yes, this is breaking news as we're recording this. 10 o'clock in the morning, the race finished about an hour ago. And we've heard that Ricardo or Ricciardo, as the Ferrari Italians insist on saying. We know a third way of pronouncing it. Yeah, well, it's the same rule as Lancia. C-I in Italian is pronounced Ch, so it's Ricciardo. But there are two C's, aren't there? Yeah, so that makes it Ricciardo. Well, I I don't know what... What do we know? Anyway, Danny is under investigation because of this fuel flow regulation. Now, the cars carry 100 kilograms of fuel to do the racing. That's it. It's only all they're allowed to use. Being picky, I don't know whether they'd, they'd be allowed to carry a little extra fuel but not use it. Why you do that, I don't know. Well, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? You yeah, yeah. Have... Well, you've got to leave enough in for a sample afterwards. But as well as the quantity of fuel that you're allowed to carry, there is a flow rate limit now of 100 kilograms per per hour, hour. which we've just learned about because when we saw the breaking news, we thought, what's that about? Your fuel flow is limited as well as your total use during the race. So the trace shows at the moment that it peaked. It went over that limit many times during the race, which could result in some sort of penalty. Well, I've got to say, it doesn't look good. Actually, should we just read out the text of the... As it's breaking news, we're going live to the new service now. Zog gets his computer open. They defence, they're saying that they may have a sensor issue. Yeah, right, a sensor issue, yeah. Yeah, well, no, no, that's... that's (laughs) I'd make a great adjudicator, wouldn't I? uh, They apparently changed the engine map on Vettel's car, I believe, after FP3 because they'd had... A sensor issue, and that might be related to this. Zog is scrolling through uh, various things there oh, to hear the latest. Uh, need, your battery just died. Yeah, it has. No! Uh, You're having worse electrical problems than some of the F1 teams. It didn't sound good. The notice from Joe Bauer saying that he's referring this matter to the steward, they sounded pretty confident there'd been repeated, consistent... Breaches. Breaches of the fuel flow rate limit. Right. So, yeah, I think Ricardo's going to lose that place. And it's a great shame because it was terrific to see him finishing on the podium in his home race. 
face. Improbably, that smile just got a tiny bit bigger. That so. will help McLaren's position even greater because they will inch mm. up a little bit further and we'll have Jensen who will finish third. That will make their lead in the Constructors' Championship even more secure. Interesting that Magnussen, bless him, lovely picture of his dad crying on the internet when he saw that his son had got mm. on the podium in his first race. It was lovely. Interesting that he finished better than Jensen because Jensen had a torrid qualifying, didn't he? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see now how the two McLaren drivers match up over the year because I suspect at the end of the year that Magnussen will prove to be ultimately the quicker driver. But, you know, wouldn't be surprising if Jensen's experience and steady hand... Race you know, management. The, yeah. ...the upper hand from yeah. time to time. But, yeah, as you say, qualifying cost him. The Kimi crack. hit the wall, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that prevented Jensen from being able to get round to start the lap in time. He couldn't go quick enough. He had to That's back off. Right. So he That's missed right. doing his yeah. final flying lap. Yeah. So not a fair comparison. Who was quicker in qualifying? We don't know. I'd like to look at the race pace. Who had the quicker race pace during the race? Magnussen or Button? You've got to say, it's looking terrific for McLaren. Also, I was surprised that there wasn't even a mention of any challenge to their clever suspension arm. As I'm sure everybody knows by now, McLaren have done one of those classic clever F1 designer tricks, and they've thought of something they can do with their rear suspension arms. They're blocking you know, the untrained eye, you know, sort of you know, fatter and yeah. less aerodynamic. But yes, as you say, they're blocking airflow, which is creating an area of low pressure behind the suspension arms, and that's helping to suck and channel air elsewhere. And they got through and, the and race without a protest from the, the from stewards any, yeah, or yeah. any of the other teams. And it seemed quite likely leading up to this that somebody would be challenging it but apparently yeah. not so I guess they've got that one through and let's hope those cars carry on being reliable for the rest of the year as it's now past the stewards in the first race by the British Grand Prix halfway through the season I bet we see other teams with cricket bats taped to their rear suspension components to mimic that if it works they're going to have it if it's legal they're going to have it if it's an advantage they're going to have it yeah people are going to be copying I didn't understand the ins and outs of why it would be a little bit tricky, but some people were saying that it's not like you can just redesign your rear arms. There's a lot of stuff around that that has to be configured correctly to allow them to work. So it yeah. may not be an easy job for other it, teams Nothing to works in isolation system, so. anymore, does it? They're all interdependent, all the aerodynamics and all the mechanics and engineering on the car. The rules, as I understand it, say that your suspension components cannot produce downforce. They have to be a neutral aerodynamic section. And their primary function has to be suspension, not aerodynamic. Now, their mm. primary function is still suspension. You know, if they weren't mm. there, those wheels wouldn't be stuck to the car. And they are not producing downforce directly, but they are enabling another aerodynamic device, the rear diffuser, to operate more efficiently. So that is aiding the downforce on the car. Well, Your Honour, uh, <laughs> I, I, I put it to the court that if that is the case, you might just as well argue that, let's say... The wheels on the car or the tyres yes. are therefore enabling the car to produce downforce because the tyres are enabling the car to move forward by moving through the air. You are therefore enabling the airflow uh, of the car. You are therefore producing downflow. The defence rests. And the prosecution will also add to that that the sponsors' names on the side of the car enable the team to go racing and therefore earn the money to develop the aerodynamic. Where does it end? Exactly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think it has to end with that particular aerodynamic element. Unless there's some really 
direct connection between the things. The rule says the arms can't produce downforce. If they're not producing downforce, they're off the hook. You see, first race of the season and we're talking about the technology. That's why we love F1. In Richard Porter's absence from this show, because of the massive event which happened for him and his lovely wife this morning, we thought we'd have a go at writing something in the style of Troy Queef from SniffPetrol.com. Now, we all know that Richard is actually Troy Queef, really. So what might he have to say on this matter? As dawn broke this morning... The sun lit up my beautiful wife like water flowing over the compound curves of the bonnet of a 1960s British Morris Minor. At the point at which I took her out for this ride, the traffic in North London conspired against us as we drove the few short miles to the hospital where the greatest event since the launch of the Austin Allegro was about to take place. I am talking about the 1750 Equip Edition. I caressed my love partner's hand like a NASCAR driver glances the wall, touching but not actually making contact. She looked into my eyes with the love anyone has for a Jaguar with an overly powerful engine. Lost in the gravity of the birthing experience and the emotion of the moment, her eyes cried a happy water. I, too, leaked a little over tear, but deftly I corrected this with a dab of mopping and we were away. The new sniff baby was born in a stitch, and the nurse spanked it. Congratulations to the new sniff petrol family from everyone on Gareth Jones on Speed! Yes, this is Gareth Jones on Speed, the fastest podcast in the virtual West. We aim to be the first podcast to be available after the start of the F1 season. And if you're listening to it within hours of the end of the race, then we've achieved our goal. Now, the goal of the drivers today were uh, not only to win the race, but for many of them just to start the flaming race. And then to finish. Which the two Marushas almost didn't do, but they did in the end. Fair play to Chilton. Where did he finish in the end? 14th. And Jules Bianchi at 15th. Yeah, so they were bringing up the rear, but they Mm. did manage to finish. Chilton, he didn't exactly set the world alight last year, but he managed to finish... Every race, I think. Yeah, every race, I think. Yeah, Max Chilton, who sounds like he's been breathing helium. I don't know if you've ever noticed when he's interviewed, he sounds like that, you know. He's a bit hyped, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like David Beckham, isn't it? (laughs) I slightly missed how they managed to get back in. I thought each of them had retired at one point at the end. Yeah, and came to the garage, got fixed and sent them out again. Well done. Yeah. All right, other things that we noticed during the race... Paddy Lowe was very funny. Paddy Lowe, who's now the head of technology at Mercedes, said something really entertaining after the race when he was interviewed. He said, well, there are an awful lot of new parameters in Formula One this year, most of which I only learned of this morning. Presumably because of the problem they had with Lewis's car. Yeah, imagine. yeah. Poor old Lewis. Yeah, now, there's the, the elephant in the room. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, but he's yeah. had some good news according to the Daily Star. I don't know how verifiable this is. The Daily Star reporting that he's going to marry Nicole Schertz-Slinger. Is that how you say her name? Schertz-Slinger. Which I'm surprised about, actually. I thought that was as but, over as his relationship with McLaren. No, don't be silly. Really? Oh, yeah. They were back together. We've strayed into some territory now. Territory, it's shocking, isn't it? Great shame Lewis retired from that one. It's good to see that he wasn't too down about it. Lewis is a great race. He's a great overtaker. 
And he's a better qualifier than Nico. I think that's true. Lewis is generally better than Nico in qualifying. But Lewis also, being the sort of the challenging driver he is, gets into tricky situations in the race, whereas the more dependable, slightly more conservative Nico Rosberg could have the edge on Lewis over a season. As much as I love Lewis, I think Nico is going to finish better than him. Check this again in the end of the season, but that's what I believe at this point. Well, yeah, let's see how this works out, because I mm. think Lewis is the quicker driver. Nico is possibly a little more collected, perhaps a little bit more level-headed. Uh, Less God-obsessed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's not a kind of a worldview that works for me. I found what Lewis said about things happening for a reason and Michael Schumacher, I don't get that. In case you I, missed I don't this. get that kind of, you know... In, in case you missed this, Lewis all, said, but, let me quote this correctly, that Schumacher's crash, everything does happen for a reason and that this will show his true character or, or something. Never, yeah, it a chance for him to show his true character. I don't understand that way of thinking at all, but I do love him as a race driver. And mm. Mercedes looked so quick today, albeit Red Bull are a lot closer to them than uh, we, thought we were expecting. Yeah. But yeah, but Mercedes are going to be a tough act to beat this year. Actually, well, having said that Red Bull were quicker than we thought, I'm now wondering whether the fuel flow issue, the fact that Ricardo was at times... Eating up fuel more quickly than he should have been. Yeah, could have contributed to his speed, and Mm. maybe that Red Bull shouldn't have been quite as quick as it was today. Interesting. Who knows? I just don't know. I've got a theory about that fuel flow thing. I reckon the FIA completely missed that bit of data. They didn't see it. But Sebastian Vettel, being the wily multi-21 kind of guy he is, noticed that the fuel flow, and may have pointed out to Charlie Whiting, because he doesn't want Ricciardo, sorry, Richie Kiki Karaki Kaki to do better than him in the championship. You will never know. So who'd be your man of the race? Bottas, who went like a rocket, so fast that he touched the wall, knackering the beating of his tyre, which caused that failure. And he, when he Bottas finished in the end, fifth or sixth rather just behind Fernando Alonso if that hadn't have happened but Formula 1 is always if Mm. you know he certainly would have been on the podium he could even have won the race and I'm chuffed to bits for Williams I'm chuffed to bits for Bottas who's a very understated guy but most of all I'm chuffed to bits for Claire Williams who I've slightly fallen in love with recently I have to be honest I just think she's lovely I agree what you agree with me about Claire Williams (laughs) I agree with you Bottas was fantastic when Bottas had passed somebody, I forget who it was now, early in the race, just seeing the shot of everyone in the Williams pit, so happy and cheering the guy on and feeling that they could be at the sharp end again, get on the podium. And then you saw Claire Williams, obviously a lot less happy in the back of the garage after Bottas had clonked the wall. But then he managed to pull it back and get back up to sixth place. I think he redeemed himself. I don't think he'd ever have beaten Rosberg today. Mm -hmm. He might have beaten Magnussen, could have got on the podium, but I don't think he would ever have had Nico. Well, with that car, he might have a chance of a win in a few races time well yeah, the development race is over at the moment they can't do much immediately while they're sort of locked in this status he stands a chance of a win and I would love that because I get to hear my favourite anthem the Finnish national anthem on the podium again which you know I love 
for probably too long now, I've clung onto this idea that Williams are one of the few teams that knows how to win, or yeah. that memory of how to win has obviously been getting You've a little this, bit fainter yeah. in the team. So it's great to see them delivering again. Yeah, let's hope it continues. There's never, ever one single reason for how a team's fortunes can change one way or the other because it's such a huge leviathan to turn around a team of what three four hundred people and the ideas that permeate in that it's like turning a super tanker not a formula one car to mm. change the direction of the team but there have been three significant changes to williams recently which i think have played a part in their current resurgence the most obvious one is Mercedes engines they timed that right the Renault engine in the past was a great engine but right now the Mercedes engine is clearly the one to have second of all they got rid of Sam Michael (laughs) just hate to say that but it's true oh no no no. that's rubbish I don't think you can uh... let's see how long he lasts at McLaren now Ron's back that's all I'm saying that's all I'm saying well I see that that could just be a personality thing though and the third thing uh, Williams that's improved their state of affairs is bringing in Pat Simmons. <laughs> Pat Simmons, who really understands how to make a car work. He's doing very well, I think, there. Their new technical blood rushing through the team, and that's what you yeah, need. I'm sure Simmons is giving the team a good boost there. And actually, on a sort of technical note, there have been quite a lot of references to heat recovery. Mm, yep, uh, energy recovery from heat, yeah. Yeah, but unless I'm misunderstanding things, I always find it slightly confusing that heat recovery is being talked of as much as it is, because it's an indirect form of heat recovery as far as I can see, because yeah. this is all referring to the clever turbo stuff, the fact that there is a, a turbine, turbine generator yeah. in the exhaust yeah. system that is recovering energy from the exhaust flow. Yeah. Which is it's hot. a generator yeah. rather than something that's mechanically linked yeah. to a turbocharger, as in a regular turbocharged car, if you like. The point being that although heat energy is being, in some sense, recovered, it's heat that's going into expanding gas and making it flow down the exhaust pipe, and then by taking the energy out of that exhaust flow, you are, in that sense, recovering some heat from the engine, but it's an indirect mm. form. And They're using the kinetic so function sort of, of the air that. being accelerated by the heat from the explosion. That's what they mean. We were discussing this, Zog and I, beforehand. I imagined that they were using a device, a thermocouple. Well, that would, in a sense, be the most direct form of heat recovery. Yeah, if you have, as you say, a thermocouple, a device that produces a voltage when you heat it up... Mm. That's not how they're doing it. It's little turbines. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, yeah, there you go. We've got to finish. But something interesting I heard about was that Ferrari are using the motor generator unit, or one of the motor generator units, to even out their gear changes. It's working in such a way that when they change from first to second, third, every time you get that step, that motor generator unit twitches to compensate so you get absolutely seamless yeah. gear change and that improves the handling of the rear of the car you don't get a twitchy well, yeah, you're not, rear end yeah you're not going to get any disturbance you're not going to get any change in balance as that shift comes in that is clever that that's is, the best that innovation in f1 at the moment i think mclaren's baseball bat rear suspension's good i think the red bull's camera mounted within the nose rather than those dummy neutral stubs that all the cars have to carry is a clever left-handed piece of thinking but ferrari applying a device that they're obliged to carry to give them an advantage in a different way is very smart i admire them for that other things that we noticed during the race doesn't kimmy say i don't know a lot in interviews (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Although I think what he means is <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, yes, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, when Kimmy says I don't know, I don't care. I just drive. Uh, sort of. You're asking me these questions. I'm only here because I, I will answer the questions. <laughs> he's German now. I'm only he? going to be here for as long as I have to be, and then I'm going. Yeah, so yeah sorry, but, but you know what I mean. He's just. He's, just, he, he, he's doing his duty. Yeah. Answering the questions, yeah. I don't think he really cares. <laughs> I mean, we know, Kimmy, he I, I don't, don't care. He wants to be given the best car that the team can give him. He wants to step into a good racing car yeah. and drive it. And if he feels that the team aren't giving him the best car they could, or if he feels that it's below par, then he's maybe not going to be in the best mood. But he's not overly bothered about why this happened or why that happened. He just wants to get in the car and race it. And then once the race is done and he's out of it, he wants to go home and... And eat magnums. Yeah. That's what we love Kimmy for. And perhaps lose some weight, because apparently Ferrari are worried that their car is overweight, 18 kilos overweight at the moment. And short of removing one of those motor generator units or sawing off one of Kimmy's legs, (laughs) that's the only way you're going to lose 18 kilograms. They're not going to tell him to slim down even further. You could see, actually, looking at Lewis, he's lost some weight. If you look at him, he's not the pumped-up shoulders guy he was before. He's a slighter guy. Several of the drivers have talked about this, I think, in the last year or two, how much they've had to keep their weight down to the minimum they can keep it at and still have the strength and the endurance to be able to do the job. So Mm. they're having to come up with the right kind of training and eating regime Mm -hmm. Regime, to to deliver the right kind of body. Those poor guys. It's not easy. It's not easy being an F1 driver. Who'd be a Formula 1 driver marrying supermodels, travelling the world and having all that money and having to eat grapes instead yeah, of, must be terrible. Must be those terrible. poor guys we're going to leave you but I'll leave you with this question or this thought when Daniel Ricky Chicky Kiki Kiki was asked after the race how he felt his answer was that he was and I quote tripping balls mate tripping balls what the heck I've never heard that before what does he mean Tripping balls. I think it means he was happy. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just Australia for happy. There you uh, go. Tripping balls. Happy. And we're happy to, to have F1 back. You've been listening to Zog. Goodbye. Me, Gareth Jones, and we'll leave you with our traditional opening tune at the end of first race of every season. This is F1's back. 2014. See you in a couple of weeks, actually. Let's hope they're flying on Malaysia Airlines. They all get there safely. Mm. See ya. Hello. get song lyrics join our facebook fan site follow us on twitter or to find out about sponsorship opportunities go to garethjones.tv gareth jones on speed is made in london by whiz bang gareth jones on speed